Is there any question that Kawhi Leonard's buzzer beater on Sunday night to advance the Toronto Raptors into the Eastern Conference Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks is the most important shot in the history of the Raptors franchise? As we welcome you to this 343rd episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, that is the reason that our favorite NBA general manager made the trade last year, sending De, uh, DeMar DeRozan and a couple other hockey pucks to San Antonio to bring Kawhi Leonard with one year on his contract to Toronto to lead the Raptors to where they're going to be starting Wednesday night in Brewtown. Hello, folks, and welcome to, the, as I said, this 333rd episode of Unscripted. Uh, we have both microphones today. I've got my new Kmart lips. Um, a lot of things to talk about, but we'll start with that. Unbelievable shot, uh, 2.4 seconds left or 4.2, whatever it was, when he took the inbounds pass from Marcus Gasol, went over to the right side of the court, and in the far right-hand corner, nails a jumper for two and leads, meaning Kawhi Leonard, leads the Toronto Raptors to the Eastern Conference Finals, which again starts Wednesday in Milwaukee against the Bucks. Uh, preliminary has the Bucks the favorite, uh, minus 300 if you're uh, a Las Vegas gambling man. Um, so it should be interesting, very star-studded. And as I bring in the executive producer of Unscripted, my friend Chris Fluke, I got to tell you, and I know it wasn't going to happen, but it's just very nice that the Cleveland Cavaliers are not going to be <laughs> in the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals this year. Milwaukee and Toronto in the East, Golden State and Portland in the West, and after Chris' comments, we do have some breaking news, but I want to hear about Chris's comments from last night's game. Probably the biggest shot in Raptors basketball history. Well, it really reminded me of another Game 7, and I believe it was 2001. And you think back to how we would be saying to this day, and maybe this would have beaten it, depending on what would have happened afterwards. But no one, we think about Vince Carter taking that shot. That would have been the most important shot ever if he would have made it. And who knows what would have happened if they would have made it back then all those years ago. But yeah, that was a tremendous moment. Somehow the first ever buzzer beater in a game seven in NBA history, which I don't know how that's even possible. And it was neat. It's, it's the first buzzer beater I've ever seen that I can remember, at least, where it really just bounced about three times. Four times. Four it, times. Before yeah. it even falls. It was just crazy. And you see everyone just holding their breath and nothing moving for a minute there. And the normally stoic Kawhi Leonard actually reacting for once, and there were memes all over the internet. But even when they asked him about it afterward, you know, first ever in NBA history, and he just kind of sits there with no expression on his face. I recently found out that Kawhi Leonard drives a 1997 Chevy Tahoe, and when they asked him why, he said, it's paid off and it runs. <laughs> so that's a pretty good answer. I, that's I, a great answer. I, I kind of like this guy, actually, I, you know, when you see this. And so the question I actually want to have uh, for you here is, because I've seen people asking this, and, and you and I had said anything short of an NBA championship means you just gave away DeMar DeRozan, assuming that Kawhi Leonard does eventually go to the Clippers or somewhere other than Toronto. So I'll ask you the question. Let's say that the, the you know the Raptors don't do anything else here. They lose to the Bucks and that's it. And let's say then that Kawhi Leonard leaves and goes to another team. Just to get this far and have that moment and, and get to where they have right now, was Kawhi Leonard worth it if nothing else good happens for the Raptors? 
You know, I, I probably think so. Uh, for the for well, and, and, and that's hard for me. But think about it this way: that shot last night is going to reverberate in Toronto and this whole great country of Canada for quite a while. I don't think they get past Milwaukee, to be quite honest with you. As I said in a quick pre-production meeting here today, I believe that Milwaukee's got their bad game out. They, they laid an egg in game one against Boston, made some adjustments, came back, and kicked the Celtics' ass four times in a row. I think that's going to be very difficult, especially with Milwaukee holding home court. It's going to be very difficult for Toronto uh, to beat Milwaukee. I really believe that. Having said that, though... Um, in a hockey-mad country like Canada is, they are talking first, second, and third things in regard to sports today in this great country, and they're talking basketball. They're talking about that shot. They're talking about the Raptors season in whole. And, you know, I remember listening the other day when I, I go out on my monumental walks in southwest Calgary and I listen to old uh, unscripted episodes, and we were talking about... Remember in Game 6, when Milwaukee and Toronto were going to play their first of four meetings this year. And in Game 6, they were the only two teams remaining that were undefeated at the time. And in that sixth game of the year, neither Giannis played because he was out injured, and Kawhi Leonard was taking the day off for rest. And we wondered, what are you resting for after five games and you only played nine games in the previous season? Well, now I know why. Kawhi Leonard is a difference maker. Kawhi Leonard took 39 shots to score his 41 points last night. He is the only offensive weapon right now for the Toronto Raptors, realistically moving forward. But long-winded to answer your question, I think because Kawhi Leonard has given this whole country a shot of adrenaline in regard to the game of basketball, which if you argue with Canadian James Naismith is a Canadian, so that makes him the originator of the game of basketball. People in Kansas will tell you, well, they invented the game when he was a professor at the University of Kansas. That makes him an American, and that makes him the creator of basketball. Whichever side of the border you live on doesn't matter. But for Canada today, we're talking about basketball, and I think a lot of that obviously is is attributable to Kawhi Leonard and that shot he made last night, people are going to be talking about that shot for as long as they're going to be talking about the Vince Carter shot that he missed in the 2001 playoffs that led the Philadelphia 76ers. And here's the bit of irony for you. The winner of that Toronto-Philadelphia series 18 years ago, the winner was going to play the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. What happens 18 years later? The Milwaukee Bucks are the team that the Toronto Raptors are going to play in the Eastern Conference Finals starting Wednesday. And I really, and again, I'm stuck here, folks, because you know I'm a homer. I've said it for anybody that'll listen. I believe Milwaukee wins the series in six. I'm not going to go out on a, on a, you know, and make myself look stupid like Paul the Truth Pierce does. But I believe Milwaukee is right now a deeper team. They'll have had a week of rest. And I think that Milwaukee uh, will probably end Toronto's season. But again, a long-winded answer to your question. I think if Masai Ujiri, you put a gun to his head, he'd make the trade again because it has people talking. This trade has got people talking. 
basketball in this great country. And and partially because seven of our NHL teams are not in the playoffs anymore in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But I think that, yes, I think that Musai Yajiri makes the trade again. And even though I still believe in my heart of hearts, I really believe that Kawhi Leonard wants to go back to the state of California and play for one of his home state teams. And now with the dysfunction in Lakerland, I think it's going to be the Clippers. But for right now, let's enjoy the next two weeks, 10 days, whatever it's going to be, between this Raptors and Bucks series, Giannis and Kawhi, uh, Mark Gasol against Brooke Lopez. Um, You've got... Uh, Kyle Lowry against coming back now from injury. Malcolm Brogdon is back from for the Bucks. I'm very excited and can't wait for Wednesday to come. Yeah, these players have actually been pretty exciting, and I know it'll really energize not just Toronto but a whole country up here if Toronto can actually, uh, you know, do well at all. So a lot of potential excitement here. You'd think it might just end up with maybe Golden State waltzing to another title, but I think that. Really, Kawhi Leonard's been a proven playoff success story, and uh, and you know, a really good performer on multiple teams. And I wouldn't put uh, anything past the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis. That's going to be a tough out for any team from any conference. And so there's still a lot left to be determined for sure. So very, very interesting playoffs in both basketball and hockey so far. We'll get to the National Hockey League in just a minute, I promise. And uh, we do have a special guest later today in one of our. Uh, future episodes. Uh, Bernie Nichols is coming back, the three-time All-Star. He's going to talk about his business venture, All Sports Market, but we're also going to take an in-depth look as to what has happened so far through three rounds or two and a half rounds, whatever you want to call it, of of the National Hockey League playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs. And so we'll have Bernie uh, from Las Vegas later, but we do have some breaking news. And I'll start because we started in the NBA. There has been a blurb that has just come out that Kevin Durant, the all-world forward of the Golden State Warriors, will miss at least Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals that starts Tuesday in Oakland. Brother versus brother, Steph Curry versus Seth Curry, Golden State versus Portland. But this is bad news for the Golden State Warriors. And whereas... I would have thought it would have been a cakewalk for the Golden State Warriors to get their fourth championship in five years. Folks, let me tell you something. As well as they played the other day against Houston, without Kevin Durant, they are so dependent on Steph Curry and Klay Thompson that if somebody can come up, and this is a shot for you here, Terry Stotts, a head coach of the Portland Trailblazers, if you can find a guy that potentially can you don't stop those two, but if you can slow them down a little bit without Durant as that third scoring option, it's going to be a lot easier for the Portland Trailblazers to compete in the Western Conference Finals and then ultimately either the Milwaukee Bucks or the Toronto Raptors in the NBA Finals. So this is big news. It's something to keep an eye on. Um, calf injuries are funny. I remember Aaron Rodgers' famous calf injury in two, 2014 that seemingly lasted for two months. And that was supposedly a strain just like Durant has. So think about that. Keep that in the back of your mind because things get a hell of a lot easier for the Golden State Warriors and get a lot worse for everybody that's left if Kevin Durant is in the lineup for the Warriors. Yeah, well, I have to say that I agree with you that this might not be the easiest matchup for the Golden State Warriors. And the Portland Trail Blazers have just felt kind of magical, especially 
Mr. Lillard. He's yeah. just he I mean, there's something about them this year and about him in particular, just like kind of a magical aura around him. And he has looked great and it, it would be a massive upset still, but I don't know. I think this could be a tougher series. I could see this going seven or something, you know? Like, who knows what's going to happen, but I am not confident that the Portland Trailblazers are just going to roll over and die. No, there's no way they're going to roll over and die. Um, There's the enticing, as I mentioned, the brother versus brother thing. Um, That's really cool. How would you like to be Dell and Sonia Curry, the parents of these two young men? They've been going to every playoff game of Portland's and Golden State's. They've only missed one set of games right now, and that was a weekend a couple of weeks ago when Portland was playing the Oklahoma City Thunder that Mr. and Mrs. Curry missed those two games in Oklahoma City. I'd miss those two games in Oklahoma City, even if I had a kid in the game. But uh, very interesting. I wish, and I, I can't remember his name right off the top of my list, but the big center for the Portland Trailblazers, who got hurt back in February with a just a devastating injury. Obviously, he's not going to play. If he was in the lineup, man, that would be unbelievable. And remember, his backup, Enos Cantor, is playing with a separated left shoulder. So all credit to the Portland Trailblazers, Terry Stotts and his staff. They've done an unbelievable job. I do believe, though, Golden State wins this series, and I think also in six games. I'm going to say seven. I'm, I'm really going to, I'm yeah. sticking with seven. I think it's going to, it's hard to predict Portland, all, all the power to anyone who does. And I could totally see it, but uh, no, I'm going to say Golden State goes seven and can take it at home in the seventh game. But then how much did that soften them up for, let's say the Bucks or even Toronto? I think that that's uh, going to be interesting. You, you don't expect them to not make the finals, the Warriors, but they've lost before in the finals the last few years and it, uh, it could happen again. We do have breaking news, as I mentioned. If you are just joining us on this uh, 343rd episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, and this is a head-scratcher to me. Um, It was reported over the weekend that Colby... Colby? Is it Colby or is it Colby? I'm not sure. Altman is his last name. He's the general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Had held four different head coaching. Of course, Cleveland is looking for a new head coach. The Cleveland Cavaliers, they let go of Larry Drew at the end of the year. They are looking for a new coach. And they held four interviews over the weekend with different assistant coaches with the Portland Trail Blazers and the Denver Nuggets. I think there was one guy from Denver and two or three on the Portland staff that interviewed for the Cleveland job. Well, breaking news on Monday morning. John Beeline, the 65-year-old head coach at the University of Michigan, who has taken Michigan to two Final Fours, and I think he's won four Big Ten championships over his 12-year stay in Ann Arbor, has decided to take a five-year contract offer from the ultimate meathead in sports, Dan Gilbert, and John Beeline, again, at 65 years old, takes over the massive rebuilding job in Cleveland as the head coach of the Cavaliers. And... I know college basketball, you know, you're getting so much you're getting so much better at it, but you know, it's still not up there in your wheelhouse like hockey. But this is this surprises the hell out of me. Why would a guy at 65 want to take on the challenge of not only competing at the highest level, which I don't think that's a problem at 65, but I think working for a meathead like Dan Gilbert has got to be something that John 
Beeline has probably had to take a deep look at internally as to why he wants to take this on at this point of a very successful coaching career. Well, if I was at Michigan and I saw how much the luster has come off that program and I had to be associated in any way with Khaki Boy, I might beeline it for the exits too. Mm. There you go. Absolutely. Very nice. Thank Very you. Nice. But it's out of the frying pan and into the fire, as they say. And wow, that's a big, big job there. Yeah, you're right. 65 years old. Is that when you want to be starting new projects like this? I don't know. Maybe he just sees it as sort of a retirement job you'll just kind of ride it out and it's just kind of something you put yourself through and you just kind of collect a paycheck but I don't know why anyone would want to go and coach for the Cleveland Cavaliers right now there's just there's really nothing appealing about that if you want to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame you don't have to move to Cleveland for that unless you want the uh the full yearly pass or something but anyway I don't really get what he's doing either it's an interesting choice maybe he just wants to say that he's an NBA coach, and I don't know, maybe that's all it is, but uh, and maybe that's the only place he was going to get, especially at 65, but who knows? Maybe he just does it for the love of the game. I don't know him, but it is an interesting thing, too. You'd think that it would be a little more comfortable just to stay at Michigan uh, than to try to go to uh, you know, the worst franchise in the NBA right now, pretty much. Um, let's stay in the NBA, and... Um... Obviously, I'm excited that the Milwaukee Bucks are in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, again, that will start on Wednesday. They'll, of course, be taking on the second seeded in the East, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, but the underlying current, if you will, throughout this whole postseason in Adam Silver's league has been who in the hell is running things and what the hell is going on in Los Angeles with the Lakers? Now, at the very end of the regular season, the last day of the regular season, came the news that Magic Johnson was turning down or was resigning as the vice president or president of basketball operations. He had full basketball decision-making autonomy. He had It was his, his thing. He got LeBron to the Southland, obviously. But now we maybe are starting to figure out why Magic Johnson left the Lakers. He took a lot of stuff from people when he left, um, saying that he'll always be a Laker. He loves Jeannie Buss, but he never went into great detail as to why he decided to pull the plug after one year as the head of basketball operations for the 16-time champion Lakers. Well, I think maybe we now have figured it out. Frank Vogel? Who the fuck is Frank Vogel? What is a Frank Vogel? I mean, the Lakers are supposed to attract the creme de la creme of basketball coaches. And what they did to Tyron Lue was a disgrace to the Lakers organization and especially to Coach Lue. I can certainly understand why Tyron Lue decided to not take the underwhelming offer from the Los Angeles Lakers to be their next basketball coach. But Frank Vogel and Jason Kidd comes on as his lead assistant. How long do you think that's going to work, folks? Jason Kidd interviewed for the head coaching position. The Lakers were very enamored with Jason Kidd. They believed that Jason Kidd could work well in mentoring Lonzo Ball. That's great, but here's the problem. The Lakers have missed the postseason six years in a row. It's not Laker-like to continue missing the playoffs. And are you going to make the playoffs in the current status that they are now with Frank Vogel as the coach? 
I don't see it happening. I really don't. Well, here's a little bit of a free preview of uh, Free Forum Friday here. So, uh, dead spin at dead spin. Lakers hire backup head coach in case LeBron <laughs> doesn't like the main guy. And I think that's exactly where Jason Kidd's at. He knows that this could be a pretty clear path to being the head coach of uh, the NBA's uh, Los Angeles Lakers, arguably the premier franchise until six years ago or so. But Jason Kidd is more of a sexy name than Frank Vogel is, honestly. And if you're saying it's a sexy franchise, it it was for sure until it was taken over by LeVar Ball and, you know, whatever else. Man, talk about... Kurt and Linda Rambus. Talk about a fall from grace. Jeez. And you bring in LeBron, you still can't make the playoffs, like... I don't know what's going on with that franchise. That's one of the most surprising falls from grace of any franchise that I've ever seen. And I, you know, everyone kind of thought when you're doing a rebuild or whatever you'd call it, that they'd miss the playoffs. Maybe like, maybe you missed the playoffs three years in a row or something, not six. Like this is unbelievable. I don't know what to say about this, this team anymore. And you're saying that magic was only the head guy for a year. It felt like he was there for all six of those years. Well, you know, he always, always was, was a part there. of the Lakers for sure. And he's always going to be a part of the Laker family, but his official title as head of basketball operations, president of basketball operations, he resigned from that position on the last day of the regular season. But what kind of advice are you getting from uh, former power forward, Kurt Rambus and his wife, Linda? I mean, <laughs> what? All right. Rambus played an integral part of the Lakers Showtime dynasty in the 80s. He was the lunch pail guy. He was he was he was the brawn if you will to let all these other guys fly around and throw up uh, alley-oops and and you know magic to Michael Cooper and three-pointers from Byron Scott and 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 all this all this pretty stuff and Kareem Skyhook and it was all pretty and Dr. Jerry Buss was sitting there with all his girlfriends and it was just the place to be. But now you're leaving decisions like this. I mean, come on, folks. This is not the L.A. Clippers when they were owned by Donald Sterling. Okay, This is the Los Angeles Lakers with 16 trophies, 16 Larry O'Brien trophies in their trophy case. Second only to the Boston Celtics with 17. And this is looking to me like the Los Angeles Clippers in the day with that racist pig Donald Sterling running things. This is just not the way things are supposed to happen in Los Angeles. And Linda Rambus, Linda, excuse me, Linda Rambus gave her okay to <laughs> Jeannie Buss on the hiring of Frank Vogel. Well, who the hell is Linda Rambus? Besides Kurt's Kurt's wife, but I mean, where what kind of expertise, what front office experience does Linda Rambus have that she's got the ear? of the owner of the Lakers, Jerry uh, Jeannie Buss. I still wish it was Dr. Buss. The Lakers wouldn't be in this mess, and the Lakers wouldn't have missed the playoffs six years in a row if Dr. Buss was still around. I guarantee it. But there is something so wrong right now in Los Angeles. And with this offseason coming up in Los Angeles, which potentially is one of the most important offseasons in the Lakers' history, which goes back in Los Angeles to 1960, this is one of the most important offseasons and you've got Jeannie Buss and her friend Linda Rambus running things in El Segundo. That's the home office. That's where the Lakers 
uh, offices. The offices of the Los Angeles Lakers and their practice facility are in El Segundo, California. They only play their games at the Staples Center. There is really something wrong with this. And I don't know what the answer is, but I'll tell you one thing. Stephen A., my buddy from First Take, believes that if they can't figure this out soon, that the Bus family should think about selling the Lakers. And I agree with that 1,000%. That's so funny. You just brought that up right when you were saying the earlier part before you brought up uh, Genie Bus or selling the team. That's immediately what I was thinking about when you were talking about this because yeah, I think even more than Magic or Lonzo Ball or anybody else, I think you have to put Genie Bus's feet to the fire here. I mean, this has just no been question. A, this has been an abject failure of an ownership run. And really, I mean, what did she ever do to deserve the team, frankly? She was just the daughter of the guy who owned the team. And to just inherit the Lakers is ludicrous. And then to rely on that, that's just crazy. And, you know, this is why, you know, bloodlines don't work anymore in modern society. Why just because you're related to somebody, you automatically are going to make a great owner. No, that's just totally ridiculous. The Bus family should absolutely just get out of the game for sure and move on. Take a massive payday and then say, see you later. Because you couldn't really have done much worse. And now if she's just asking like old players' wives about what to do, uh, you can see how rudder, rudder, you can see how rudderless this ship is. And I'm feeling really good about everything about the Edmonton Oilers right now. <laughs> uh, we've got a run on this uh, 343rd episode of Unscripted. We'll be back, obviously. We've got a, a bunch of... And remember, my screw-up last week, we only were allowed, or I was allowed us to only do one episode, so we've got a ton of things to talk about, and we'll get to... I, I, I want to get into a deep discussion with Chris about the Stanley ongoing Stanley Cup playoffs. We haven't had time to much, much time to talk about that. Still want to dissect the uh, NFL draft, uh, obviously, I want to hear Chris did some research as to what happened at the Kentucky Derby last week at Churchill Downs. It seemed like there were more guys getting kicked out of the race or suspended from the race than there were actually in the race. I don't know. I don't watch a lot of horse racing, but Chris did some research, and obviously, I want to get that out to you. Um, there's a lot of things to talk about, but we do have one bit of sad news to report before we put a wrap on this 343rd episode of our little program. News out of Kansas City on Monday morning was that former Chiefs defensive coordinator, and then he became, later on in his second stint with the team, he became the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Gunther Cunningham died on Sunday unknown illness it was a short illness it didn't it didn't take much you know it didn't take much it must have been something really it really came on fast but anyway don't know what it was but he died on sunday at the age of 72 and i just want to send and and chris and i would like to send our condolences out to gunther cuttingham who was a very very good defensive coordinator in his day again probably one of these guys that was better as a coordinator than a head coach there's a lot of responsibilities as a head coach that have nothing to do with the game of football, dealing with the media, dealing with a whole bunch of other things that the head coach has to deal with. But when you get into the teaching aspect, that's where the coordinators and the position coaches have more of an input with the team. But Gunther Cunningham, good guy, and we send our condolences to him and his family as he passed over the weekend at the age of 72. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.